Investable Universe is about thematic topics in real assets investing. This is what we mean by the global market of things, real estate, infrastructure, land, energy, and other commodities that have historically been viewed as boring old income investments. But take a look at the shifts underway in these asset classes, from industry disruptors to new investors to emerging markets to geopolitics, and you'll find these assets are very interesting. We'll talk about private equity, venture capital, corporate VC, sovereign wealth funds, listed markets, crazy startups, some old guard investment firms, some maverick entrepreneurs, and some paradigm-shifting technologies. One thing is certain, no corner of the global market of things will be left untouched by the changes happening right now, and that's what we talk about on this podcast. So this week, we're going to talk about an emerging real assets class, or not a real assets class in the income-generating sense, but uh, the market for vintage comic books. Uh, my guest this week estimates the size of that market at a quick and dirty half a billion dollars just in the U.S. Let's find out more. This is Vincent Zerzolo, co-owner of the New York-based uh, Metropolis Collectibles, the world's largest vintage comic book dealership, and ComicConnect.com, the largest online vintage comic auction house. He and his partner, Stephen Fischler, hold five Guinness World Records for the most expensive comics and related collectibles ever sold. Vincent, thank you for speaking with me on Investable Universe this week. Rebecca, thanks so much for having me on. It's a real pleasure. Awesome. So, look, I just full disclosure, I'm not a comic book aficionado. But I have a funny story. Um, so shortly before we went on lockdown, I was at an event at the New York Alternative Investment Roundtable, actually probably the last event I attended before things kind of shut down. And the speaker was Mark Lazry, who is the head of Avenue Capital. He's a very well-known investor. He's the owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, he was the finance chair for the Biden campaign. He told a story about his collection of vintage comic books and how he had bequeathed one of them to one of his children who promptly sold the comic book and used the proceeds to buy a New York City apartment. That surprised me. Now, Vincent Zerzolo, were you involved in that transaction at all? Yes, we are. Uh, have been great <laughs> friends with Mark Lazary for over 20 years. Wow. And I believe the comic book that he's talking about is an action comics, number one, which we brought to market. Um, and uh, later on, a few years ago, we actually brought the rest of his entire collection to market and through our auction site, ComicConnect.com. Can you talk about the proceeds of that auction and where you saw interest and where you, how, what's the story uh, well, with that auction? Mark's collection was fantastic, filled with so many um, first edition comic books, first issues, first appearances, very high grade comics. And the demand for this type of material is extremely high in our world of uh, comic book collecting and investing. Mm -hmm. So we saw uh, just stuff exceeding our estimates by anywhere, sometimes double and triple what we thought it would sell for. Really? So generally yes. speaking, what makes a comic book an investable real asset? Does it trade more like an antique or a piece of art or like a, what separates it from a baseball card, let's say? So the answer is yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> so so here's, here's what, what has happened. So I've been in the comic book business for about 35 years. Mm -hmm. And um, in 1999, I merged companies with my partner, Stephen Fischler, and one of the first things that happened was he pitched a concept of a third-party graded encapsulated comic book to the parent company of NGC, which is one of the biggest coin grading companies in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so CCG is the parent company. He pitched the concept to them, and basically they were very interested to, in pursuing it. 
they needed a, a scale to um, a grading scale to be, be able to quantify uh, grades of a comic book. Stephen came up with a 10 point grading scale that's used throughout the world of comic book collecting. Mm -hmm. uh, this started us down the road of seeing comic books become more commoditized. Also the advent of the uh, internet allowed for a lot more transparency and um, market information and obviously competition and demand for the comic books that were in the marketplace. Whereas before you'd have maybe a, a print ad or um, a list you'd mail out, uh, stuff like that. But then when you, as soon as you have email and you have websites and you have eBay, you see things start to train, change dramatically. Mm -hmm. And what ends up happening is now you have uh, comic books are so liquid that they are um, we're able to see sell them um, and with just pictures online as well as based on what current market value information is out there. Mm -hmm. And once again, in, in in our auctions, oftentimes these prices are exceeded, and so you have to go into the market, which is extremely hot now, especially since. Uh, the lockdown, believe it or not, and I can really? explain more about that as well, mm -hmm. that uh, we're, we're seeing people who are not interested in putting their money in real estate or, um, or, or, or the stock market. And mm -hmm. obviously, you can't leave your money in the bank anymore because you make nothing on it. Mm -hmm. So what they do is they pour their money into tangible assets. Right. And I believe there's two reasons for that. The first reason is obviously to make money. But the second reason is there's a connection there. And this is something that um, people actually love. Mm -hmm. they, they really enjoy this. They're happy about it. Getting a, a, a beautiful comic book and adding it to your collection is, is a really special feeling for collectors as well as now uh, with social media, you can brag about it to the world. So you can yeah. put up a picture of you holding your comic book and <laughs> showing and everybody goes, ooh and ah, yeah. and people love that as well. So, and there's a, there's a tremendous camaraderie amongst the comic book collecting community. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I think that makes comic books uh, very unique is that with the advent of all of the superhero movies over the last 20 years or so, right, and television shows and animation, um, you're seeing people getting interested in these characters for very different reasons than the typical comic book collector who might have grown up on and read all those comic books that they've made into a movie like uh, the Avengers movies with the Infinity War and Infinity uh -huh. Gauntlet. Um, so... You have all these different factors that play into this uh, incredible, um, I don't know how to put it any other way, but the, the market is on fire right now. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and what was interesting to me is that if, you asked, if we did this interview at the tail end of 2019, early 2020, right. I don't think I would have been saying the same thing. I actually felt mm -hmm. like it was starting to lull a little bit uh -huh. and kind of uh, plateau. Uh -huh. And then- with the lockdown, which I guess I should just segue into and, and explain. Sure. Uh, the first month, there was a lot of uncertainty in, yeah. in March of 2020. But as time went on and people are stuck in their homes, they're looking through the comic book collections. They're also not spending all this money going out to eat, right. traveling around the world, mm -hmm. doing a lot of things, buying new clothes, shopping. So now they have a lot more discretionary income at their disposal. And mm -hmm. what do they do with that? 
hey, I'm, I'm at home. I realize I'm missing these issues or, hey, I think I could pour 10, 5, 20, 50, 100, a million dollars into this comic book <laughs> or this group of comic books. Yeah. And I, I've, I believe because Marvel's going to be announcing that the new Fantastic Four movies in the works, which they uh -huh. just did yesterday, uh -huh. that Fantastic Four is going to go up and I'm going to keep buying it. And I believe that they're going to showcase Dr. Doom as the main villain, which they probably yeah. will. And yeah. the first appearance of Dr. Doom in Fantastic Four number five is going to go through the roof. Uh -huh. By the way, I should mention yeah. <laughs> as the consummate yeah. promoter that I am, sure. we do have an auction going down next week, Let's uh, Monday it. through Friday on comicconnect.com. The first uh -huh. day is filled with original comic art, uh, collectible video games, which has become a gigantic market. Really? Uh, pulps, which were the predecessors to comic books. Uh -huh. Um uh, G.I. Joe and Star Wars toys, uh -huh. as well as statues and concert posters. Now they're grading con concert posters, and that's becoming increasingly popular. Are these so, coming from one collector or one? Uh, or no, these comes from uh, okay, thousands of different uh, consigners. Uh -huh. And then Tuesday through Friday of next week, uh, this is all in the evening, we have our comic book selection. And uh -huh. we have an incredible array of Fantastic Fours, which I just mentioned, yeah. because the movies are going to be made now. Yeah. And, and it's just a matter of time. If you look at the slew of Marvel announcements that were made in the last day or so, uh -huh. um, you're going to see a lot of comic books jump in value yeah uh, I've, I've heard some even just very very uh slightly rumored comic books that might be made into tv shows or movies and their prices have jumped and escalated they're like call options on the movie industry is that right it, it kind of sounds it's, like it's, it's interesting and then, and then you have to be yeah. you have to also time things right if you're yeah. if you're uh, tying it into a movie because you don't actually want to wait till the movie comes out to sell yeah. because uh -huh. if it's a bomb, you're you in sell trouble. You sell the news, that's it, yeah. <laughs> so so I've seen I've seen people make a ton of money, including myself, on movies like X-Men, uh -huh. uh, Avengers, uh, Black Panther especially. Uh, I've seen people lose money, uh, mm -hmm. I, including myself, on Green Lantern. So I, I'm not yeah. here trying to pitch this as there's no way to lose money. Yeah. But what I am trying to say is if you have patience and you do your research and talk to people like me, uh -huh. Who are experts? Mm -hmm. You can gather a lot of information and make smart decisions. And like one of the one of the easiest things I tell people: when in doubt, buy Amazing Fantasy fifteen. It's the first appearance of Spider Man. Mm -hmm. It it might go down from time to time, but it always bounces back. And mm -hmm. everybody loves Spider Man, and they're going to keep making tons of Spider Man movies. In fact, they mm -hmm. just announced. I'm sorry, I'm really excited no, about all like this. A, this is I I, is I could talk about comic books for days. Go for it. it. They just announced that. Um, the next uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man movie uh -huh. is going to uh, delve into uh, the multiverse, which uh -huh. uh, anybody who's a fan of yeah. uh, Marvel comic books knows that they, and DC comics as well, have multiple universes where different mm -hmm. characters have different attributes, different people become the different uh, yeah. superheroes. And so now they're, they're, uh, they just had that uh, animated movie in 2018, um, yeah. Enter the Spider-Verse. Yeah, Miles Morales. Love Yeah, it. which to me... I think was the best uh, movie of 2018. I agree. Hands I down. agree. That was like, it was uh, postmodern. It was beautiful. It was like a critical theory thing. I loved yeah, it. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, um, great story and mm -hmm. fun, fun ride. And uh, the animation was like nothing I've ever seen before. Totally. But I digress. Mm -hmm. Getting yeah. to the new Spider-Man movie, they're incorporating um, Charlie Cox from the Daredevil Netflix series. Mm -hmm. They're incorporating Tobey Maguire, uh -huh. Andrew Garfield, um, Emma Stone, Kirsten Dunst, um, Alfred Molina as Doc Ock, yeah. uh, Jamie Foxx as Electro. They're going to be doing 
something incredibly special with this next movie. Plus, there'll be Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange. By the way, I should note, we have a lot of amazing Fancy 15s in our next auction, uh -huh. as well as the first appearance of Doctor Strange in Strange Tales 110 in mm -hmm. a CGC graded 9.4. And a 9.4 is on a scale of 1 to 10. 9.4 is considered near mint. Pretty mm -hmm. much a perfect book. Mm -hmm. um, we're so excited about what's going on right now. Uh -huh. uh, me as a, as a fan and as a collector, I've loved comic books since I was a little boy. So uh -huh. getting to see all these things brought to life on the silver screen is fantastic. Yeah. But also seeing how it crosses over into collector interest and enthusiasm mm -hmm. is really a wonderful thing, uh, both uh, as, a, as a business owner, but also as a fan. So how reliable are comic books as a store of value or how volatile is the market. I mean, do you have to basically be invested in Spider-Man first editions before you're going to, you can really sort of count on a stable value of the asset? I would say the, the hard and fast answer is no, you don't have to just invest in Spider-Man. In fact, there are a lot of collectors who collect by genre. So we have collectors who only collect uh, horror, 1950s horror comic books, which is a, an incredibly big part of the market it's grown uh -huh. and it was big in the in the late 80s or in the early 90s and uh then the prices went up a bit more too much and then they mm -hmm. they kind of plateaued and yeah. but the last five ten years has has been spectacular for horror comic books but like there were what, tons like of what other are some genres. what are some titles Sorry? like what in the in this in the horror space what are the what are some of the titles that people uh, might so you have yeah. everybody would be familiar with uh, uh -huh. tales from the crypt the oh, old yeah, tv yeah. show uh -huh. that was based on a 1950s ec comic book uh -huh. but there are there are, are are titles like uh mr mystery and haunt of fear and um uh <laughs> there's so many that uh -huh. now my brain is freezing on it yeah um uh uh, strange suspense stories. Uh -huh. um, so there, there's a whole ton of different titles. Um, and then there's also romance comic books from the 1950s, from the uh -huh. 1970s. There are um, war comic books, uh, science fiction comic books. There's so many different genres. So you don't just have to collect superheroes. The uh -huh. reason I mentioned Spider-Man is because that's the easiest entry level, yeah. entry point for people. Not in price point, it, it does get expensive, but you don't have to buy a high grade copy of Amazing Fantasy 15 to see some appreciation over time. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things I would say, you asked about volatility. One of the most volatile parts of the comic book market are the entertainment-connected properties mm -hmm. like movie and TV show and animation. Yeah. So if you have a brand-new comic book that is um, has just gone from uh, being $4 to $100 in six months, mm -hmm. you can try to invest in that, but you really got to watch it. And, and when you start seeing that comic book going down, just like a mm -hmm. stock, you might decide to want to sell. Now- mm -hmm. You know, there are exceptions to every rule and there's no, um, I don't have a crystal ball. Nobody does. So you don't know exactly what's going to happen, but uh, I can look back on my 35 years of experience and tell you what I think mm -hmm. should happen. Um, and there's a, there's a comic book, like the, the first appearance of Miles Morales in uh, Ultimate Fallout, number four, that's a, that's a really big book. And as soon as I saw that movie, I said, oh, this is just going to keep going up. And it mm -hmm. has. It is highly collectible. Um, it is in the thousands of dollars now. And this mm -hmm. is not an old comic book. So I think that character, I wouldn't be surprised if they did a live action version of Miles Morales in this next Spider-Man movie. They have not mm -hmm. announced that. That's just something I think would be really cool. Mm -hmm. uh, who knows? We'll see. So you noticed. That, so you mentioned that the market is not strictly driven by by superheroes. Uh, people also invest according to genre. Do they also, or, or vintage for that matter? Do they also follow specific artists? Is that 
That's a great question. Yes, there are certain artists that when they do a comic book cover or draw the interior of a comic book, there's an already built in audience for that comic book. This does not always mean that it's going to escalate in value tremendously, but it could mean that that when it when it first comes out, there will be a bump. Mm -hmm. And um, artists, very famous and popular artists today, they they uh, vary in difference in terms of styles. Mm -hmm. But there are some of the biggest names today would be Frank Miller, who created 300 Dark Knight Returns uh, and Sin City. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd Mark Todd McFarlane, who revamped Spider-Man in the 1980s and with the spaghetti webbing and made uh, Spider-Man incredibly popular, who, already a very popular character, but really took it to another level with his mm-hmm. artistic styles, which incorporated ma- manga style from Japan and his own uh, techniques and, and, and flair. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have Jim Lee, who's been one of the one of the great comic book artists of the last 30 years now. But um, anytime he does a, a cover, um, it, it just sells. It sells. Mm-hmm. He's so good. And it's it, it almost feels effortless when you watch him draw. I've seen him draw at conventions and um, at parties. And it's just mind-blowing to see the talent that this guy has. And and, uh, and these guys, uh, we also sell original comic art. That's something uh-huh. that is an incredibly oh, yeah. growing part of the market. Uh-huh. So like, you could get a brand new Jim Lee cover. Uh-huh. Batman cover. I've sold them for forty, forty-five thousand dollars, literally a month after the comic book came out. Uh-huh. Just for the just for the cover, or like a the sketch artwork, or a, a just for the cover art. Okay, wow. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned uh, uh, influences from manga. Do non-U.S. comic traditions have an investable market here in the U.S.? Manga is not very big here. Um, mm-hmm. I think basically because people can't really read it um, mm-hmm. because of the language barrier. Uh, but you do have comic book collectors who collect what we call international variants. Mm-hmm. So you can have a comic book like Hulk 181, which is the first uh, full appearance of Wolverine, one of the most popular characters in comic books. Mm-hmm. And people will collect every edition uh, from around the world. So you'll mm-hmm. see the same comic book in German, in Dutch, in uh, Spanish, um, from Mexico, from uh, Japan, um, all over. Actually, you know, I'm not even sure they did them in Japan, but they might, they may be in Japan. But I've seen them in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. I've seen so many. And what the other interesting thing is, we do travel internationally for conventions and sure. we do have an international clientele. So what's been really wonderful for me, our company in November of 2019 was the first vintage comic book dealer from the U.S. to set up at a Saudi uh, Arabian comic book convention. Really? And uh, what was so um, wonderful for me was to see how knowledgeable the young collectors were about American comic books and enthusiastic uh-huh. and uh, just just incredibly uh, respectful and, yeah. and passionate uh, and they were going crazy for the comic yeah. books we brought. And it was just That's so amazing. nice to see that. That's and we've traveled, we've been all over Europe, um, England, Italy. Italy has Luca Comic Con, which draws about half a million people a year uh, when it was happening. Uh, uh-huh. Hopefully it'll be back soon. Definitely. And um, it is just, it's it's really cool to see people from so many different cultures that appreciate what I consider the greatest American art form, the American comic book. Awesome. So who would we be surprised to learn is a comic book collector? Well, one of our biggest clients for a long period of time was Nicolas Cage. Really? We helped him build his entire collection. Uh And um, if you look at his name, Uh uh, Nick Cage is really Nick Coppola. Uh But he didn't want to use his family's name to get uh, acting jobs. So Uh he, he looked to one of his favorite superheroes, 
Uh-huh. Luke Cage, Hero for Hire, who had yeah. a Netflix series for two years. Uh, Mike Coulter starred as uh, Luke Cage, which was a uh-huh. really great series. And uh, the comic books went through the roof. Uh-huh. Um, in fact, I was I was sitting next to him in a restaurant a month before the comic book, uh, the series came out on Netflix. And I didn't, I recognized his voice, but I didn't know who he was. Uh-huh. And he said he was an actor. I thought he was a singer. And then uh, three weeks later, I'm watching. And I'm like, oh my God, I was sitting next <laughs> to Luke Cage in a restaurant. But getting back to Nick Cage. So he took the name Luke Cage and that uh-huh. became his surname. Uh-huh. And that's how he launched his uh, career as an actor with that name. Uh-huh. So Nick was a huge comic book fan. And uh-huh. uh, not only did we um, build his entire collection, but unfortunately, one uh, Christmas party that he had, he had all his comic books in shadow boxes that uh-huh. were hooked up to a security system in his house. And uh-huh. he turned it off and unlocked all these cases because he wanted to share his comic books with his friends. Uh-huh. Um, we believe one of the staff walked off with his Action Comics number one and a couple of other comic books. Uh-huh. Um, That's my company actually, Action Comics number one is the first appearance of Superman, is the whole. Uh-huh. Holy Grail of Holy Grails. My really? partner, Stephen Fischler, flew out to LA to help with the investigation. Uh-huh. And he told Nick, he said, sooner or later, this comic book will come to market. And when it uh-huh. does, we're going to get it back for you. That's 13 a, years later, fast forward, we get offered the comic book. Uh, Steve flies out to LA along uh-huh. with um, a police uh, detective, goes to the to um, get the comic book. And, uh-huh. and we explain that it's uh, been stolen. We recovered the comic book for Nick, and a few months later, we sold it for him at auction for uh-huh. what was then a record $2.2 million. That's it. So did that story – I bet that story bumped the price a little bit. The story did not hurt. Uh, absolutely not. In fact, um, we, we've been approached to do documentary on the whole event, and so uh-huh. that might actually happen. Yeah. Um, you guys were caped crusaders a little bit. <laughs> we try. Right. We try. Yeah. I, I always just say, hey, I'm a, I'm a guy who loves comic books, and I've been yeah. really blessed and fortunate to be uh-huh. able to find a career in it. And um, I've always uh, been a very competitive person, so uh-huh. I think my ambitions have helped us to grow our company yeah. and broaden into other categories, uh-huh. uh, which I wholeheartedly believe will start to really blossom. Uh, video games already are. Original comic art has been crazy for years, yeah. and I think uh, concert posters are going to grow in popularity as well as pulps, and I think those are two areas you can get in on the ground floor, mm-hmm. so to speak, and really, really uh, hit some home runs. Are you seeing an interested investor base, for example, in Asia Pacific? Are they interested in American pop culture items or is there sort of a a cultural divide there? Yes, very much so. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have collectors from all over the world. Uh, Mm -hmm. I would say if I'd have to pinpoint certain areas, I would say England, Mm -hmm. uh, I would say the Middle East, and I would say Southeast Asia, Uh um, especially places like Singapore and Hong Kong. Sure. Excellent. Yeah. So do you see, do you predict that there will be a move, or maybe you're already seeing it, um, a move towards something similar to like institutional investment in comic books? Do you yeah, there already that? is. Um, uh-huh. There are uh, companies who are selling um, fractional shares of uh, comic books. Uh-huh. Um, so if you can't afford to buy a $100,000 comic book, maybe you can buy 10 shares of it at a hundred right. bucks a piece yeah. and things like that. So that's that's growing. And I think that's really wonderful because it allows people to share in, in the joy of, of having a, a ownership in something that's really really special and we're already seeing um these uh, uh, collectibles, like um, uh-huh. recently. Uh, oh, and that's another thing I didn't even mention. Uh-huh. We we brought we we, <laughs> we expanded into Pokemon and Pokemon uh-huh. boxes and cards, and they're going through the roof. Seriously, uh, there's a huge huge interest in Pokemon. We also uh-huh. have uh, seven booster boxes, uh, sealed booster boxes that we're auctioning off on Monday night. Uh-huh. But the reason I brought up Pokemon is because um, with these uh, companies that are selling shares, like uh, Rally Road, uh-huh. they are. Um, 
Uh, also, when they have interest from another party that wants to buy the whole thing, not just the shares, they're they're getting um, a, a quite an incredible return in a short period of time. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it's, it's it's really wonderful to see yeah. all the different varieties of ways to buy and sell comic books. Other things that have grown in popularity during um, the last uh, ten months or so, I guess, since COVID, mm-hmm. uh, people are doing what they call claim sales, where they're doing their yeah. own like home shopping network on Facebook and Instagram, where they sell yeah. their comic books, and people, the first person who replies and through the messaging that they want yeah. it gets that comic book. Really? Uh, so you're seeing a. Um, a growth also in very low end comic books where yeah. comic books that might've sold for just a dollar or two a few years mm-hmm. ago, or maybe even 50 cents are now selling for five, 10, $15. So that's really yeah. wonderful to see. So there, there is a budget for every collector. There's a yeah. comic book for every collector. There's a comic book for every budget, budget for every comic book, any yeah. way you want to spin that. But yeah. there are definitely um, are ways to, to invest in comic books where you don't need to have 10, 15, 20, a hundred thousand dollars. You mm-hmm. can be, um, somebody on a, on a lower budget mm-hmm. uh, that can find the angles um, to buy comic books and make money on them. Now, mm-hmm. one other thing I should point out that there's a, an incredibly important part of the market that people love, which um, are signed comic books. So people uh-huh. will send their comic books to, to uh, or sorry, they'll get their comic books signed uh, by an artist yeah. uh, and uh, in, with, a, with a witness from the company that does the grading present. Uh-huh. And then these comic books are encapsulated in a different colored label, a yellow label that signifies uh-huh. it's a signature series comic book. Uh-huh. Uh, and since COVID has uh, happened, what the CGC grading company is doing is now they have the artists come down to their offices uh-huh. so that they have them witnessing and, and an artist will, will sit and sign an entire weekend. Wow. Thousands and thousands of copies. And, and there's a charge for this, but uh, usually uh-huh. um, the, uh, result should be a more valuable comic book afterwards, uh-huh. even if you include the fee for signing and the fee for grading and shipping uh-huh. and handling. At the end of the day, if you're getting the right comic books uh, signed and graded, you will see an increase in value. Uh-huh. Excellent. So you, uh, you mentioned earlier that interest in comic books or the comic book market, broadly speaking, has has really uh, picked up since, since uh, the onset of COVID. What if the convention market or the events space is slow to recover once you know once there's let's assume there's a vaccine it just never really picks up to the level that it that it was at uh, pre-pandemic how does that affect the comic book market if at all or maybe you're seeing uh, different drivers i don't so so here's i i think we've seen a shift uh-huh. um in in the marketplace there there is no no substitute for being in person at a comic book convention uh-huh. but it is also incredibly expensive some to get to some obviously if you're local yeah. like i'm here in new york new york comic con i i can walk down yeah. the street and get to it the uh-huh. javits center but yeah. when i need to go to san diego comic con and set up my booth there just the travel hotels mm-hmm. and food for the week and and obviously paying my employees it adds up to quite a, a large sum of money, you know, yeah. you, and, and that eats into your profits. Yeah. Um, and so what I think is, I can't see the future uh, five years from now, but mm-hmm. I think you're going to see uh, in the short term period, you're going to see um, comic conventions slow to, to get back to where they were. Mm-hmm. I, I think that even with the vaccine coming, mm-hmm. I don't think 2021 is going to be a viable year for larger venued comic book conventions. Smaller mm-hmm. ones, yes, they are actually happening right now. Uh-huh. And people are excited and happy to go to them. Yeah. Uh, I, um, I I do about, I'd say about 10 different comic book conventions per year. And, and uh-huh. sometimes that's a little bit more or less depending on where we go internationally. Uh-huh. But 
I will tell you, uh, for me, I love seeing people in person, but it is a lot of work to get ready for a comic convention and it sure. is exhausting. So mm-hmm. I'm not really missing them too much sure. right now. <laughs> and, and it sounds like it's not necessarily going to affect valuations on the underlying assets. Is that true? The lack of comic conventions will not affect it. If anything, um, they've gone up. Uh-huh. Uh, since there's no comic book conventions, everybody's sitting in front of their computers yeah. and using that as their comic book convention. And uh-huh. a lot of these conventions are doing virtual conventions. Yeah. So there is business being transacted there. Yeah. Uh, um, in fact, my, my, my older brother who got me into comic book collecting, I have two uh-huh. older brothers, Sal and Jerry, and they, they both collected comic books and I'm uh-huh. uh, 10 and 11 years younger than the, both of them. And, and, uh, um, so you had some I, vintage I, comics from so, the beginning. Sorry? You had some vintage comics from the beginning. Oh, my first, my first Hulks were the first appearance of Wolverine. Uh-huh. Uh, my first X-Men's were the brand new X-Men team from the 70s. Yeah. So I, I really cut my teeth on some of the best material of the Bronze Age, which is the 1970s. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So I'm eternally grateful to my brothers. But I was going to say, my brother Sal runs a comic book convention called Garden State Comic Fest mm-hmm. in uh, New Jersey, Morristown, New Jersey. Uh, obviously, right now they're not running it, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, um, what what I what I notice at these smaller conventions is that there's a tremendous interest and excitement, uh, being there, being able to shake hands and being able to meet the artist, getting a right. sketch done by an artist at a convention, just mm-hmm. taking a picture with an artist, or or just taking pictures of the comic books on the wall of a of a dealer such as myself, mm-hmm. uh, and then there are also the cosplayers. So cosplay has become an increasingly important part of conventions and the excitement and, and energy in a convention. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I will tell you, some people have said to me, oh, I hate cosplayers. They don't spend yeah. any money with me. I've got some very, very wealthy customers who cosplay. Really? Any, <laughs> anyone you can mention? Any like it. any stealth cosplay people? Any, uh, you know, high, you know I, ranking politicians or anyone? No, you, you, you know what was really interesting? Brian <laughs> Cranston from Breaking Bad walked around San Diego <laughs> Comic-Con with a Heisenberg uh, mask on the entire Seriously. convention. Holy took moly, pictures yeah. with people, but nobody knew it was him. Mark <laughs> Hamill from Star Wars yeah, has done yeah. similar things. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's it's you you see a lot of people out there, and and uh-huh. there are a lot of celebrities and um, musicians uh-huh. uh, from all different walks of life. Uh-huh. Obviously, billionaires. Um, we we actually built the, one of the greatest comic book collections ever uh, put together. Um, over the last 20 years with a client, Eamon Hariri, mm-hmm. um, who uh, is um, an incredible guy. He, he also owns a, a wonderful, wonderful social media app called Vero, V-E-R-O. And I mm-hmm. would highly recommend anybody who gets a little tired of the vitriol on certain other social yep. media um, apps, um, go to Vero. It's, mm-hmm. it's just so much fun. I'm on there every day. Mm-hmm. And what I love about the site is there's, there's no... Uh, arguing, bicker, bickering, and nastiness. Yeah. It's just really friendly, sweet people. And you know, it's 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 um, director Zack Snyder's um, uh, social media app of choice. He announces oh. all of his announcements on it. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's really fun and uh, great. Yeah. And actually, he he's actually follows me and, and yeah. <laughs> is really into comic that's, books and very uh-huh. nice guy. Uh-huh. So um, it's 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 really cool to interact with people and from different walks of life mm-hmm. uh, who are interested in comic books, who invest in collecting comic books. So just to help to make it a more uh, fun and exciting and interesting place. Yeah. So you mentioned the you know the impact on the physical convention space, and those are typically you know live events and a, and a huge production, et cetera. But what about the hit to regular bricks and mortar establishments like your uh, your HQ in New York City? I mean, do you think that do you think that those are are going to take a long term hit? 
Well, luckily for us, most of our business is mail order uh-huh. and through our auctions and, and internet business. Mm-hmm. So we don't rely on walk-in traffic as traffic as much, but we mm-hmm. do get some. And even through the the um, last few months, uh, we get people who come in on a weekly basis to buy their comic books. Mm-hmm. Uh, having said all that, I do have um, tremendous sympathy for anybody who's has a comic book store. Uh-huh. Um, over the last year, it's it's got to be difficult. It's Definitely. difficult anyway, but now mm-hmm. even more so. And also um, this year, uh, one of the um, publishers, I think it was DC Comics, moved away from Diamond Distribution, which, so basically all the comic books were, were ordered through Diamond. And mm-hmm. now you have to order your, your DC Comics through a second distributor or, mm-hmm. or uh, several different, depending on which part of the country you're in, which I think adds a lot of work to a, a comic store owner. And that can't be easy. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I mean, I just talked to a friend of mine in Texas um, Bedrock City Comics, my friend Ricky mm-hmm. Evans, who just opened up a brand new store last week. Wow! So hey, mm-hmm. I mean that that takes a lot yeah. of courage to do, and um, yeah. he's uh, very bullish as well about the mm-hmm. comic market and feels like there's a, a lot of room for growth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the toughest thing, in my opinion, uh, for the average collector is keeping up with buying comic books on a weekly basis because yeah. the cup price for a brand new comic book is about four to five dollars uh-huh. uh, but you can get subscriptions to to watch your uh read your comic books on on, on websites uh-huh. so that helps um having said all that uh i will point out something stan lee said to me once uh-huh. uh, he said uh, when, when 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 he was asked about the um if he was worried that people would stop buying comic books and only read them online. He said, comic books are like boobs. They're great to look at, but better to hold in your hands. <laughs> now that's, <laughs> that's Stanley. That's Stanley. Well, that's, so it's a deadly. So is, <laughs> so is there, so is there a rising segment of the market that's that, you know, that's female driven, female readers, female investors? Yes. Is this, or is a, this heavily male dominated? That's a great question. So um, what I, have been so excited to see over the last 10, 15 years, I'd say, probably 10 years to be more more accurate. Uh-huh. There are so many more women that go to comic book conventions now yeah. than in the past. And uh-huh. I think part of the reason is because of the movies and because of the cosplay. But yeah. also there are a lot more genres of comic books that appeal to women who are not maybe, maybe some of them are not so into superhero comic books. Okay. Uh, like one of the places you can see this uh, really take hold and, and, and I think a foundation for it is in the art schools, especially I can speak about in New York City, where uh-huh. young women are becoming comic book artists yeah. and writers and creators. And not that there weren't before, but it's mm-hmm. becoming a lot more prevalent, mm-hmm. which I am so happy to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it adds a, a different texture and and perspective to comic books that uh, and, and also artistic style and, and just think it's beautiful. It's it's great. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a comic book convention in New York called MoCA. MoCA is the Museum of Cartoon and Comic Art, and they sponsor this convention and is one of the only conventions that in the in the world um, that I can go to and nobody knows who I am uh-huh. and I don't and I don't know who most of the people there are either. Uh-huh. And it's I'd say dominated by I'd, I'd have to say it's about 60, 40 women to men, maybe more now. Okay. And all of the creators, I would say 75% of the creators there are women. And, uh-huh. and that's great. It's just okay. it's just great to see diversity and, and different perspectives in terms of storytelling. Uh, I think this adds to the um, the uh, fabric, the 
yeah. the, uh, the the style for for the um, art form and, and helps it to change and evolve. And mm-hmm. you're going to see that these creators um, will create stories that will touch um, people who are growing up today. Mm-hmm. And in the future, those people will become the writers, directors, and and, sure. and, and industry leaders in a variety of different industries. And when we'll help the comic book collecting and investing uh, continue for generations. Yeah. And what are some of the, would you say, are some of the most, the more promising uh, uh, franchises, I hate to call it a franchise, like, I mean, the more, the more promising uh, properties or characters coming out of that, of that emerging universe of women and underrepresented groups in, hmm. in comic books? Well, I can speak about one title that I really love. It's called uh-huh. Saga. And um, Fiona Staples is the artist. She works digitally, which is a uh-huh. shame because I'd love to buy some of her original art. Yeah, sure. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn wrote it. Brian K. Brian K. Vaughn has written a lot of fantastic uh, comic books. Why the Last Man, which will be created into a TV show. Uh-huh. Um, and I just love this comic book. It's it's like a space opera romance, uh-huh. uh, science fiction. And it's I, I actually was on a plane a few years ago, and the reason I found out about it. Uh, Somebody saw I was reading a comic book on the plane. Uh-huh. A, a, a stewardess, uh, sorry, a flight attendant that I was, yeah. I was in the back of the plane getting a, a drink, and and I just brought my comic book that I was reading with me, and said, "Oh, hey, I love comic books too. I go to conventions." And then another flight attendant came over and said uh-huh. the same thing. And then a guy was coming out of the bathroom, and uh-huh. saw, saw us talking, and joined in, and he said, "Hey, have you guys read Saga?" And they were all <laughs> they all read it, and they're like, "This uh-huh. is great. It's like what Star Wars should have been." And I'm like, "Wow, Star Wars is what Star Wars should have been. Star Wars is fantastic. What do you mean? Yeah. Star- I got to read this thing." Okay, Saga. And I got to check it out too. Saga. Yeah. It's yeah. it's absolutely fantastic. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but what I what I love about it is it's a romance. Uh-huh. It's um it, it it touches on a lot of different genres: science fiction, romance, uh, war. Um, things that are just really weird. Um, their their spaceship is a is a tree. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really weird. Um, yeah. One of the characters is a, a cat, giant uh-huh. cat, that can tell if anybody's lying. Uh-huh. And, and the only word it says is lying when somebody's lying. It's, That's freaky. It's, it's, it's a really great uh, companion to have with you when uh-huh. you're an internet an interstellar bounty hunter and you're dealing with a lot of low lives uh-huh. and so you have this cat that can tell you anytime somebody's fibbing that's crazy so yeah. now in the it's set in the art market which i have you know i have a little familiarity with the art market but it's very very difficult to scout out the artist who's going to who's going to break through or, you know, who's going to become a, who's going to become a a hot, a hot thing. And so, you know, it's often said that if you're going to collect contemporary art or, you know, very new art, you should really not try to second guess what you personally yourself love, because it's just too difficult to try to guess the market or try to time the market. Is there any, is, is that this is, can the same be said of comic books? Yes. In fact, if I gave you the first uh, rule of comic book investing is buy something you're interested in and love. So in Mm -hmm. the off chance it doesn't increase in value, you still have something you really appreciate. It's still a house you want to live in, as Warren Buffett would say. (laughs) There you go. Right. Yeah. Um, So so I always tell people, no matter what collectible they're looking to buy, do your research, figure out what you're passionate about, come up with a game plan. Take your budget, figure out what your budget is for the year, and then try to, to equate that to what you want to buy. And obviously, if you're shooting too high, you've got to yeah. lower your expectations in terms uh-huh. of, you know, and you're not going to buy an action comics number one on a $10,000 budget. Uh-huh. Um, 
So, but having said that, what I also recommend people do is take 10% of your your budget and and keep that off to the side for discretionary purchases that um, things that you just might see that you like. Uh-huh. So the reason I say that is because um, you're going to get focused. I, let's say you decide I'm collecting nothing but Iron Man. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden you see a Captain America comic book or a Tales from the Crypt comic book. And you're like, gosh, I really want to buy that too. But I really own, I've, I've allotted all of my money to this. Mm-hmm. Now that you have that ten percent, you can use that to to sate your 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 desires for, for other titles. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's really good to do it that way. I find myself as a collector, um, I collect uh, key issues and covers that I like. Mm-hmm. And um, I do, there are other people who are completists. They mm-hmm. love putting an entire run of comic books together. They mm-hmm. might say, I'm going to collect um, Superman 1 through 100. And mm-hmm. after they're finished, they enjoy it for a while, and then they bring it to market. And then uh-huh. they take that money and roll it into the next thing. Yeah. And and so there's a lot of different ways to, to do this. Do they feel um, sad when they've completed the series? Is there just like a little emptiness in life that is, uh, what know, do I do I think with there's my life a satisfaction now? and and and. Uh, there's probably also a little bit, bit of an emptiness, but mm-hmm. I think I think the satisfaction of being able to being able to complete it. I think many comic book collectors, including myself, mm-hmm. have a little bit of an OCD. Yeah. We, we I, I love putting <laughs> comic books into order. I hate when they're not in order. It makes uh-huh. me crazy. Yeah. Um, I in fact I, I once um, dealt with these two brothers. They had this amazing collection called the Tremont Collection. They put it together. They lived in the Bronx. They grew up in the Bronx. And Tremont Avenue is a very uh-huh. big avenue, famous avenue there. And I said to them, I said, so which are your favorite titles? And one of the brothers said, I don't read them. I said, what do you mean? He's like, I haven't read a comic book since I was a kid. I said, okay, so what do you do? He's like, he buys them, he reads them. I come over every six months and I organize everything. <laughs> and that's just fantastic. I yeah. love it. He did so, that. And he yeah, gets equity perfect. in the collection for that, for that yeah, ability, yeah. right? So, so what about for long-term investors, though? What I mean, is there a different approach for how a series, let's say, you know, you just sold your company, you've had a major liquidity event, you want to make an allocation of comic books. Uh, long term, I would I would say for the most part, um, I would recommend medium to long term for investing in comic books. I would say if you can hold on to a comic book for three to five years, that's probably a safe period of time before where you'll see a, a, a decent uh, increase. Uh-huh. Um, I think if you if you're if you're what what's beautiful like you look like a guy like Mark Lazary. Mark Lazary didn't yeah. need to sell his comic books, but no. he was satisfied. He had them for a period of time. Um, his kids were not that interested in them, so mm-hmm. he decided to bring them to market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you you see what I guess my point is that even somebody who let's say sells their, their company and, and allocates a certain percentage of that to comic books, they might hold on to it five, ten, fifteen, twenty years. They may leave it to their next of kin. Yeah, uh, you, you just never know. And I mean, I look back on my career in comic books, and if I was able to keep a lot more of the comic books that I've bought and sold over the years, uh-huh. I'd have a lot more money now. But yeah. I don't know how I would have lived all those years. So, do you have nightmares about? Do you have nightmares about one title that maybe got thrown away or your dog no, ripped it up? No, my, like my, my my only regrets are sometimes where I've sold something that I've gotten an yeah. exorbitant amount of money for, but I still miss from time yeah. to time. Yeah. And um, and I do have game plans for everything I've yeah. invested in. Um, uh, you 
I'm going to, I'm going to just swish the camera around for a second for you to see yeah. everybody else's on audio, but yeah. all of this stuff on the walls is, is all original comic art. Wow. I have, okay. And I have an even bigger uh, yeah. collection in portfolios as well yeah. as my comic book collection, plus our inventory, which is my revolving collection of about 150,000 comic books. Uh -huh. But I, I, I've set aside certain comic books that I've invested in uh, and certain comic books that I um, will hold till retirement and yeah. certain comic books that I use to um, increase value over, let's say, a couple of years. And then I, I sell them and I take that money and I roll it into something else. Uh -huh. So uh, I have done pretty well. Uh -huh. I'd say over the years. And I've also, I, I could tell you this, I've also made a lot of people a lot of money. Uh -huh. and, and sometimes they, I have to push them a little bit and just keep telling them and say, you know, uh -huh. look, I'm really sure about this. I'm, I value yeah. you as a customer. We've known each other for a long time. I'm not going to put you into something bad. Yeah. And um, if they trust me, uh, I, I can say that overall, for the most part, we do see an increase. I've also tried to dissuade people from yeah. buying certain comic books that I thought were overpriced, overvalued. And sometimes they listen to me and mm -hmm. it's a good thing. Uh -huh. uh, most of the time when they listen to me not to buy something, it's, a, it's, it's smart. Uh, do uh -huh. I make some mistakes? Listen, again, nobody's <laughs> perfect. Nobody has all the answers. Anybody who tells you that, run. Just yeah. run away from that guy because you don't need that guy yeah. uh, or, or, or woman uh, advising you on how to invest. So on the so a final question, so on the topic of your hits rather than misses, you and your partner hold five Guinness World Records for the most expensive comic books and collectibles ever sold. Very quickly, what were they? Top five. Mm. Okay. So we sold the first million dollar comic book, which was Action Comics number one in, in 2000, I think it was eight. Really? Um, I think it was, eight, it? it was either eight or 10. You know what? It, it all blurs together at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but here was what was really incredible about that. Uh -huh. So we sold the Action Comics number one in 8.0 condition. And then like a month later, another collector said, why don't you sell me that book? I wanted it. Uh -huh. That's when we went out to Mark Lazary and got his copy. Oh, okay. We ended up uh, selling that one. And uh -huh. so um, we've sold Action Comics number ones uh -huh. for... 1 million, 1.5 million, 1.75 million, 2 million, 53,000, uh -huh. 2.2 million, and over 3 million. Uh -huh. um, and uh, we also sold the first Silver Age comic book, which means it's from the 1960s. Uh -huh. uh, that broke a million dollars. That was Amazing Fantasy 15, the first uh -huh. appearance of Spider Man, CGC graded 9.6 condition. We sold that for $1.1 million. The previous record for a Silver Age comic book at that point was probably $400,000. Wow. Um, we also bought and sold the world's most expensive check. This mm -hmm. was the check that DC Comics wrote to the creators of Superman, Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster, uh -huh. to buy the first Superman story in Action Comics number one. Uh -huh. We sold check. that check. We auctioned that check off for $160,000. Wow. Also um, bought the most expensive and sold the most expensive American comic superhero comic cover art, which was the cover to Amazing Spider-Man uh, number 328. It's a really great cover with Spider-Man. Uh, he gets the, the cosmic, cosmic Spider-Man, it's called. He gets the cosmic uh -huh. powers. He's now stronger than the Hulk, and it's him punching the Hulk into the stratosphere. Uh -huh. And that cover we bought for 657000 and sold for 693000 That's it. That's it, an alternative asset, an alternative investment space. Vincent Zerzola, thank you for speaking with Investable Universe this week. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a awesome. real pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Awesome. Talk soon. That's all we got for Investable Universe this week. If you liked what you heard, share the link, check out the site at investableuniverse.com or pitch us for future episodes. The address is editor at investableuniverse.com. 
My name is Rebecca Darst, and you'll hear more from me next time.